Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Today's Monday, the 22nd of May. I'm Mark Matthews, Head of Research Asia at Bank Julius Baer, and welcome to our weekly Beyond Markets update. Last week, the S&P 500 rose 1.7%, and that was enough to take it above its highs of February and May to its highest point of the year. In doing so, the S&P registered an important milestone. The peak for the S&P on January 3rd last year was 4797, and the trough on October 12th was 3577, so that was a loss of 1,220 points. Now it's recouped 615 of those points, putting it back at the 4191 level, which is slightly more than a 50% retracement of the bear market decline. If we look back at what happened, what came after the 15 previous bear markets, once the S&P recovered 50% of what it lost, it was up three months later in 13 of those 15 times, and it was up 12 months later in all 15 of them with an average return of 19%. Another thing to consider is in the 12 months that followed the last six rate hikes, the S&P rallied on average 16%. It was down in only one. That was the year 2000. So the question is, was May the last rate hike of this cycle? One thing's for sure, they've already done an awful lot of hiking. The pace and magnitude of the current tightening cycle is the fastest in history. And Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell acknowledged as much on Friday when he said, and I'll quote him here, until very recently, it's been clear that further policy firming would be required. As policies become more restrictive, the risks of doing too much versus doing too little are becoming more balanced. He also said, banking sector developments are contributing to tighter credit conditions and are likely to weigh on economic growth, hiring, and inflation. As a result, our policy rate may not need to rise as much as it would have otherwise to achieve our goals. End of quote. At the same conference where Powell made those comments, New York Fed President John Williams presented research on the neutral rate. That's the natural rate for supporting the economy while containing inflation that nobody knows exactly what the neutral rate is. They try to use economic models to determine it. And Williams' economic model showed, and I'll quote him, there's no evidence that the era of very low natural rates of interest has ended, which by default means the Fed funds rate doesn't need to stay this high. One hopeful piece of news as far as inflation goes came out on Thursday when existing home sales were announced They fell 1.7% year-on-year in April, a further decline from March's 1% decline, and that was the first decline since 2012. As you may know, housing's the largest part of the inflation basket, about a third of it, in fact. What's remarkable, though, is how strong the stock market has been despite the high inflation and the high interest rates that we've already been living through, especially the technology stocks. Last year, they went down a lot as the Fed raised rates, But curiously, even though this year rates haven't fallen, neither have bond yields, that hasn't stopped the technology stocks from zipping back up. In fact, they've been the big surprise for this year. Usually after such a big sell-off, you need time to repair wounds and build a base. A V-shaped recovery is rare, but the NASDAQ 100 is up 30% this year. One reason is because it's not so focused on interest rates anymore as it is the whole artificial intelligence phenomenon. All sorts of big-name billionaire investors, from Bill Ackman to Stanley Druckenmiller and Paul Tudor Jones, have been on television recently saying what a big thing this is. Stanley Druckenmiller said last week, AI is very, very real and could be every bit as 
impactful is the internet? Another thing that surely helped the technology companies is all the layoffs that they've done. And nobody likes to see anybody let go, but the cost savings of those went right to the bottom line. They were a direct response to inflation, worries about recession, and of course the falling share prices of the technology companies themselves. Well, those share prices aren't falling anymore. And when we look at worries about inflation and recession, well, 107 of the 500 companies listed on the S&P 500 cited recession on earnings calls for the first quarter. The third straight quarter, this number has declined. Only 278 cited inflation, the lowest number since the second quarter of 2021. So there probably won't be so many technology sector layoffs going forward. It's not unlikely the hedge funds loaded up on the tech stocks before they went on television to promote them. And now, it's too early to call it a trend change, but the explosive interest in artificial intelligence looks like it might be peaking. If you go to Google Trends, for example, and type in ChatGPT and measure the number of Google searches for it in the United States, they look like they peaked in late April and are down about 20% since then. Not to say the interest in artificial intelligence won't still be there, it just might not rise at such a parabolic rate as it has since ChatGPT was launched in November. In which case, there may be some question marks about the parabolic rise in some of these share prices. Take, for example, NVIDIA, the number one producer of chips needed for AI computing. Its share price has doubled so far this year. NVIDIA is on 29 times price to sales today. Its previous high back in November 2021 was 38 times, and that's before we were all talking about ChatGPT. Amazon, at the height of the dot-com bubble, got to 40 times price sales in 1999. But just to put those numbers in context, remember that the NASDAQ Composite today has a price-to-sales ratio of 4.3 times. In other news, in a survey done last week of 2004 registered voters, the Center for American Political Studies at Harvard University and the Harris Poll found that former U.S. President Donald Trump led President Joe Biden by a seven-point margin, up from a five-point margin last month. I really don't know what it means if Trump is re-elected, but Biden is rallying the G7 together to quote-unquote de-risk, as he calls it, the relationship with China. Trump loves doing deals. If he's elected, there's no doubt that would strongly shake up the Western alliance. And Japan is deeply aware of this. It's far away from any of its allies apart from South Korea. It's extremely vulnerable. So for sure, it will be rearming, which is inflationary. Already, Japan's core inflation rose 3.4% in April, a 41-year high. April's the start of Japan's new business year when many firms modify retail prices. By the way, every weekend, the Financial Times carries a story it calls the big read, and last weekend it was about Japan. It highlighted many of the points we wrote about in our recent Japan note, where we highlighted that in a market as large as Japan, where there's over 4,000 listed companies, it is possible to find leaders in what they do on a global level that have returns on equity in the high teens and low 20s. There are good companies in Japan. This is Mark Matthews signing off for now. I wish you a great week ahead and we'll speak with you again next week. Goodbye. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you've heard, please tell us by leaving a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe to Beyond Markets on your favorite podcast player to stay up to date with our latest episodes. To learn more about Julius Bayer, our people, our latest thinking, 
visit us at www.juliusbear.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com slash legal slash podcast for further important legal information.